I was at Walgreens the other day and uh, walked in there to get something simple, some allergy medicine for the pollen and went through and got what I needed and was standing there in the line and um, on one side of me there was two employees having a conversation and neither of them wanted to stop what they were doing and check me out so they they were just talk talk talking and they they would glimpse up at me every now and then but as, as if to say when I'm done when we're done the next one I went to was on on his cell phone and you know uh, was doing what he I was clearly there he knew it but he had something he was doing, you know, and uh, wouldn't lift his eyes uh, up even to, to really acknowledge me until he was ready. That's the power in Numbers uh, 6. Uh, if you listen to this, uh, just look what God did. Now, he honored us in our sinful state, uh, in, our, in the revulsion of our wrongness. He looked at us. And he didn't hesitate for a moment, right? Uh, he, didn't, he didn't keep doing what he was. He, here's what the Bible says he did. He lifted up his countenance upon you and gave you peace. You know, when you're standing there at Walgreens, it's as if you're not good enough. You're not worthy. You're not worthy for me to give my attention to you. But God, when, when, with certainty, we were not worthy. With absoluteness, we were not worthy. The Lord who is deserving of all praise lifted his face up and shined it upon us and gave us, the Bible says, peace here. That is a deep act of mercy. We can get so accustomed to this. God is good and he is good, but his goodness toward us is undeserved. And when we find it, and when we find it put so succinctly and so powerfully, uh, we, we can take note and worship him for it with our lives. God has done something amazing in Numbers chapter 6, and thank you, choir, for sharing that uh, with us this morning. I found my pictures from last week uh, that I tried to show you. I brought some pictures with me <clears throat> and had a little technical hiccup last week. I think we've got them today. And these are, here's one of them. These are the pictures where, where, where grown-up people have found their childhood pictures and remade them as grown-ups. Now, it's hard to see this probably, but you remember these silhouette pictures that they made us do in the 70s? Moms, if you're a 70s mom, you're to blame for this, Okay. <laughs> I had one of these, I was eating an apple as a baby, you know, and, and uh, anyway, fake apple, but uh, anyway, um, silhouette, there's this boy doing these poses as a, as a grown-up man, uh, apparently never had a haircut or never uh, changed his hairstyle, uh, he's doing these poses again in the same, <clears throat> in the same outfit, um, he'll regret this, I'm sure, at some point, but the next one is kind of a cute one. <clears throat> These two, uh, two little brothers, head-to-head, uh, ear-to-ear, to ear, as little babies, and then they did the same thing again as uh, grown men, uh, I guess. And so there's that one. I thought that was sweet. Um, here's one. <clears throat> two supermen, right? One of them looks a, a little, what do you call it, trollish, uh, right, down at the bottom. I think there's one or two more um, that I found. I like this one. <laughs> and then th the next one is my very favorite. Um, 
That kid, man, I mean, <laughs> most kids, little babies are cute just by virtue of their smallness. It makes all of them cute except for this one. Now, this is, <laughs> and he remade that as, a, as an adult. There's something weird, isn't there, about going back, right? Uh, when growth comes, uh, when God does something new in us, uh, when, when he makes all things new, there's something disordered uh, in pictures like these uh, and in our spiritual walk about going back to where we were before. It's weird and it's wrong. And the Bible comes to a point today in the book of Ephesians uh, where it points this out to those at the church of Ephesus, at other churches, and to our church uh, this morning, to the people here today. There's a reminder that uh, it is inconsistent with a worthy walk for us to go backwards into what God has delivered us out of. That's not the way to walk worthy. And the Apostle Paul has been writing to this group of people about what it means to, to, to have a worthy walk, uh, to walk in a manner that is worthy of your calling. Uh, we've said last week we could never, how could we ever measure up to the calling of our salvation, to the magnificence of what Christ has done for us. And we really can't, but we can walk in a way that is consistent, that shows some consistency with the salvation, with the mercy that we've received. And today the apostle comes and, and, and basically comes to them and says, here are some things not to do. Here's what not to do if you're going to walk in a manner that is worthy. And so let's read this together. Ephesians chapter 4, <clears throat> beginning of verse 17. Uh, these uh, words will be on the screen if you don't have a Bible. And if you don't have a Bible in your life, we don't want anyone leaving here today without a good, reliable copy of God's Word. And so we have those on the table in the back for you. And uh, that's no cost to you. If you need a Bible, you take that. There's several different kinds back there. And look, see what's best for you. We want you to have it. And don't you worry one bit, okay? Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 17, now this I say and testify in the Lord. Let's stop for just a second. Uh, right out of the gate, there's something significant here. Paul does not mean for this to be routine. Uh, he said, now this I say, just the order of the words, this, listen to this. This I say and testify in the Lord. I call God as my witness that this is true. Listen up, Ephesians. Listen up, this is powerful. Now this I say and testify in the Lord. You must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. Now, these were Gentiles. These were uh, uh, the race of, of, of outsiders. They were not Jewish people. They were not God's people. They were Gentiles until God made them new. He brought them in. He says, you're no longer to walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of of their minds. Futility just means the emptiness, the fruitlessness. Uh, nothing comes of it. Verse 18, they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. Not an insult, but just a statement. The ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality. What is sensuality? It's just the sinfulness of the senses, sensuality. It's just doing the, the, the appetites and the impulses 
whatever feels right to these, to these senses. We, we just, we're led by that. The Bible says elsewhere, their God is their belly. Just mean we just follow our appetites. They, got, they have become callous. And what have they done to this with sensuality? Given themselves up to it. Not fallen victim to it, not fallen prey to it, uh, not gotten, but they've, they've given themselves up to it. Greedy to practice every kind of impurity. What's their attitude toward impurity? All shucks, you know, I just can't help it. No, they are greedy. There, there's a, 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 they want these things and they're practicing them. There's an activeness in the, in the practice of this impurity. Verse 20, but that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. What kind of desires? Deceitful desires. I mean, this is the, the trickery of the old self, the flesh, that God has put off. I mean, he's given us newness that God has put that off. But, but if you occupy this flesh, you know that oftentimes the desires that they make themselves seem right, don't they? They feel right. They taste right. Everybody says they're right. The, 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 they've done this through the deceitful. The, your old self is corrupt through deceitful desires. But be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God <clears throat> in true righteousness and holiness. What not to do for a worthy walk. We're going to look at three simple warnings today. The first is this. Don't return to a darkened mind. The, the opening statement of this is that we are not to do something, no longer to walk as the Gentiles do. And part of that is that we don't return to a darkened mind. The first condition of those who have been remade by the resurrection power of Christ, uh, it, 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 we're not to walk in, it has to do with our minds. Our minds are a powerful place. Our minds are the engine of our lives in many ways. And the condition of their minds was very clear. Uh, the Gentiles were walking in, number one, futility. If you want to see the condition of their mind, it was futility. That means producing nothing, fruitless, useless, right? When we lived up here on the hill, one night we heard something <clears throat> on a rainy night down here in the parking lot, looked out the window and saw a, a car uh, just spinning. It's just, we might call, say donuts, right? Just doing donuts in the parking lot. They'd hit the gas and in that, on that wet black top, those <clears throat> tires just spent for minutes and minutes, just, just spinning around the parking lot. I looked closer, I saw it was Mark Gilland out there uh, doing that. <clears throat> Not true. Uh, but what is true is all that effort, all that fuel, all that energy producing nothing. No forward movement and taking the car nowhere. The rubber was not even gripping the asphalt. Nothing was happening. And that's the picture of the mind here 
the futility of the sinful mind. How do the Gentiles walk when we look uh, as, as those who are outside of Christ in an unbelieving and a godless world? What's the condition of their mind? It's futile. Their mind is on things that produce nothing of spiritual consequence. What are those things? If, I'm not going to ask you to answer back, but think for a minute. What are those things that a lost world has their mind on as they're scrolling through? As they're clicking, and what do they call it? Binging, right? As they're binging, uh, as they're in the workplace, as they're around the family, as they're dealing with their money, as they're dealing with their time, as they leverage their life for what? It's futility. How much of that has crept into our church and into our lives? How much futility is there happening? The Bible says, don't go back to that. What is the condition of the sinful mind? It is futile. It is darkened. Here's what that means. There's no light there. There's no impulse or ability to perceive the things of God. We live in a, a, a temporary new house, right? And at night, let me just tell you, we've stubbed a lot of toes. We don't know where things are, and there's no light to see it there. That's the heart, or rather, that's the mind of those who are outside of Christ, they are darkened. There's no impulse or ability to perceive the things of God. Listen to what 1 Corinthians chapter 2 has to say exactly about this. It says this, the natural person, the person of just nature, of the nature, not of the renewed nature, but of the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. He or she does not even have the spiritual eyes to perceive the things of God. There's a darkness there. What is God doing? I don't know. Well, can't you tell me? No, I can't. Why not? There's no light for me to see what God is doing. It's not there. Don't go back to that. It's lifeless. There's no personal connection to the presence and the activity or the blessings of God. The many things that we enjoy, the, the mercy and the tenderness and the companionship, the salvation and the power of the resurrected Christ is vacant in the mind of the Gentiles. And then lastly, they're ignorant. They're devoid of understanding. There is just an emptiness there when it comes to the things of God. Don't go back to that, the Bible says. Don't return to that. Some things are empty that are supposed to be full. You know, you know that. I was at Waffle House the other day, which is, as you know, where God lives. Um, I'm just kidding, that's Cracker Barrel, you know. Uh, but <laughs> I was at Waffle House and <clears throat> I had leftover hash browns, double order, scattered, smothered, covered, diced, chunked, capped, right? I get, I get everything, but not the chili, not the gravy, but everything else, <clears throat> even the pepper. Yeah, peppered. I left one out, peppered. And um, I took it home in one of those boxes, put it in the fridge. It was there the next day when I was at work. All day long, I was thinking about getting home to those hash browns, right? And uh, as soon as it was time to go home, I headed home. I didn't say hi to anybody when I got there. I went to the fridge, pulled out the container. It felt lighter than it ought to have felt, right? And I knew one of three things had happened, uh, one of my three kids. <clears throat> and so 
I opened it up. Listen, there was one little hash brown. What do you call this? A brown? There's one little brown left in there. Just a little twig of a brown. <clears throat> I was deeply disappointed, right? Uh, the mind of those who've, who've never encountered Christ in saving faith is described here, right? It, you, you open it up, you think, well, what their experience is like my experience, and the content of their mind and, and, and the way that they're led and their, their motives and their character and, and their decision, it, 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 it's shaped by the same things that mine is. And you open it up and it's just not true. There's an emptiness there. Uh, to turn back, for you and me to turn back to that old way, it, it, it's absurd that we would do that. There's a powerlessness there. And the Bible warns us it is not fit, it is not worthy, and it certainly is not consistent with what Christ has done for you for us to say, good enough, but I'm going back. And it's easy, it's easy for us to do. The world is powerful. Satan is active. And the flesh, the old self, is weak. The Bible warns us here, don't turn back. The salvation calling of God enables believers to live with minds transformed by the supernatural abundance of God. That means spiritual fruitfulness. That means divine illumination. That means fullness of life. That means growing in knowledge and not ignorance. I want to ask you this morning, what is the life of your mind like today? Day by day, week by week, what is, with what is it occupied with what is it concerned? Does your thought life contain more of the things that matter to the world? Listen, does your thought life contain uh, more of the things that matter to the world and matter to self than the things that matter to God? That's a test here of the worthy walk. Do you find yourself more and more filled with the things of God? Or do you find yourself drifting and trickling back to where God brought you from? Don't return to the darkened mind. But secondly, don't revert to a hardened heart. Don't revert <clears throat> to a hardened heart. Look at verse 18 and 19. Why are they in this condition? How has this come about? Was this inflicted upon them? Is this something they're helpless in? Is this they just can't help it? Uh, in this case, look what the Bible says. Uh, it is due to their hardness of heart because they have become callous. You know what a callous is, those hard uh, pads on your hand that come from working outside or, or, uh, or, or scratches and cuts. Your hand just hardens up. They've become hard like that. Nothing gets through. They've given themselves up to sensuality greedy to practice every kind of impurity. How did this state of affairs come about? There are three ways I want you to be aware of. The first is this, as a result of their own sinful natures. If you want a reference for that, it's 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. Why, why, why are we this way in our natural state? Because we're born into sin. We are sinful creatures, and this is our condition before God. But secondly, because of the blinding of Satan, 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says this, the God of this world, that's a reference to Satan, little g, the ruler of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. 
Why are people in this condition? Because of our sinful natures, because of the activity of Satan to blind us to it. But lastly, in this case, in this text, because of the gradual surrendering to sin. This happened over time, and it grew into a hardness of heart. They, the Bible says, have become this way. They weren't declared, they have become this way. Over time, they become callous and hard in their hearts. My uncle, <clears throat> Uncle Doug, Doug Ellis, Douglas Blaine Ellis, worked uh, as a heat and air man <clears throat> his whole life. Went to Kirkman uh, Technical School in downtown Chattanooga and uh, worked with heat and air, worked with sheet metal, an expert sheet metal guy. I mean, can make anything. And over time, that sheet metal mark would just cut into his hands, and um, over, over time, it, it would heal, and there'd be scar tissue there. If you shook Doug's hand, I mean, it felt like not, not even leather. I mean, it, it felt like a rock. I mean, nothing's getting through those calluses. And what that means is over time, <clears throat> as, as it got cut and healed up, and it got cut and healed up, it got cut and healed up, it got stronger and harder and, and, and harder to get through, and it got cut, and it healed up. And pretty soon, the cut was just a scratch, right? What would have cut him before was just a, a little scratch. And pretty soon, there was nothing <clears throat> getting through the callous pads of his hand. That's what's happened to the Gentiles. That's what's happening in a lost world right now. The Holy Spirit of God speaks, and it cuts us to our conscience, right? Humanity knows right from wrong. We feel the twinge of that pain. We know it's there, but it heals up. And God comes and speaks again, says, no, don't do that. Come to me. I'm drawing you to myself. Um, the Bible says in the Revelation, behold, I stand at the door and, and knock. And, 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 and we hear the knock and we think, yes, I need to do this. But it just heals right back up. And it heals harder and it heals stronger than before. And the next time God calls, what used to cut us spiritually, what used to open us up, now just is a little scratch, and we can live with that. And it's not too long that we don't even hear the voice of God again. They have become callous. Their heart, their heart is hard to the things of God. What this means is that there's a thickening of our spiritual sensitivity until we no longer even detect the convicting voice of God. And that is what has happened to these Gentiles. But the, the message here is not for the Gentiles, is it? It's to the Ephesian church, and it's to us. And he's saying, you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. Don't go back to a hardened heart. There is a very real danger in doing this. It's not light. When we regularly grant sin access into our lives, we are not doing a small thing. When we say, well, that's just the way I talk, or I just like to look, or that's just a, I just like to key in the keyboard. I just, that's just how I do. I just, I just can't help myself to whisper about what I've heard happening down the street or to be negative and, 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 and to be critical. I just can't help myself to be hateful and to shut people out, to not care about people. It's just, listen, that is no light matter when we get comfortable with our sin because the voice of God, the knocking at the door, will grow fainter and fainter until we have a hard heart. Don't go back to that. Where have you grown comfortable with sin? 
there's an answer for everybody in here. Where have you grown comfortable with sin? It's just in your life. It's just there. You just accept it. Let's find it and let's stop it. But lastly, don't re-embrace your former self. This is kind of odd to us here to, to think of uh, unclothing. I mean, it, it's a, that's the image here, to put off the old self as, as if we've got an outfit of, of old flesh or our old skin and, and God has removed that. The Bible says don't go back and put that on. Put off your old self. That's your former manner of life. It is corrupt through deceitful desires and be renewed in the spirit of what again? Of your mind. The mind, I mean, listen, the mind is, is primary in the Christian life. Be renewed in the spirit of your minds and put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. We've talked about the mind. We've talked about the heart. Now we talk about the skin. Why do we put off the old self? Because, listen, there are deceitful desires all around. That means these are desires that seem right. And they feel right. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says in the book of the letter to the Romans. He's wrestling with this very thing. He's talking about how many times the things he wants to do, he doesn't do them. And the things he doesn't want to do, those are the things he finds himself doing. And here's what he says. He just exclaims this in verse 24 of chapter 7. He says, oh, wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from this body, this what? This body, this corpus, this body of death. But thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Paul is feeling the weight of wearing that old flesh and all the battle that goes on there. He says, there is a deliverer from this, and it is Jesus Christ the Lord. My dad was a homicide detective in Chattanooga when I was a little guy, probably eight or ten years old. I idolized him and his work and what he did. I would go to extra jobs with him is what we called them. An overnight extra job at Dixie Yarns, just a security job at Dixie Yarns. And man, I was just, just ready to go, right? And here we were overnight just walking around Dixie Yarns in Chattanooga. And I was ready to find a bad guy around every corner, you know? Something suspicious, like, like Scooby-Doo, right? Something suspicious around every corner. I was just amped up for it. I ended up falling asleep halfway through the the night and being embarrassed that I did and waking up the next day. But anyway, one day, now this is probably a gross policy violation, but uh, he, would, he had me riding around in his car with him at work. And somebody called and said, there's something dead down in the woods near our house. We think it's a dead body. It smells terrible. And so my dad went over there. I was with him. He let me get out and go into the woods with him. It's a good thing he's retired now, I guess. But uh, anyway, we went, I went down the woods with him <clears throat> looking for this death. And listen, I've never, at that point in my life, I never smelled something dead before. But I smelled the, 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 that smell. If you've ever smelled it, you know it. It's unmistakable. It filled those woods. The woods were in a low-lying area, kind of depressed down there. And down in that depression, I mean, it's just like the, the, the smell of deadness just hung in that area. Like it was just kind of curtained in by the trees. It was awful and thick and we were looking through there for what this thing could be where's this dead body where's this smell coming from and when we came upon it it's laying right there we opened it up it was a box of raw chicken 
box of raw chicken. I guess somebody got from the market, threw it out. Maybe it was, had gone bad. They threw it out in the woods. The smell was coming from that. Guess what I did? I got far away from it. And guess what I didn't do? I didn't take that old nasty dead chicken skin and think, well, you know, maybe I can make a nice pair of gloves out of this, right? I didn't think maybe a nice skull cap or toboggan or something. I didn't waller in the chicken to see if it fit, right? I w- you don't put on dead things. And the Bible is reminding us here uh, what we've been rescued out of, that we don't wear again the filthy garments of our sin that Jesus gave his very life to shed us of. We don't go back to that stinking and that foul thing that God sent of his own son to call us out of, that he robed us in garments of sonship and daughterhood for us to what? Take them off and go back and put on death? No, not for the people of God. And, and please, God, not for the people of our church on this day. Young people, teenagers, let me plead with you today. I know there are many of you here from different backgrounds, and I know some of you are struggling to know, am I going to be this or am I going to be that? Let me plead with you if God has gotten a hold of your life, if he, if the Lord Jesus has set up residency in your heart, if by his mercy he has somehow, as you're standing before him, lifted his countenance to honor you, to bring you peace, Young man, young lady, do not go back to wearing the garments of deadness. Doesn't it sound ridiculous when we put it that way? When God's word puts it that way, let's never do that. God has created in you something new for a purpose and for his glory. Take it upon yourself. Clothe your life in the power of that which God has made. And don't look back to that other thing. The picture I showed you this morning of the little girl, Anna, our sweet friend. She was here just last week. Jessica was here. Now they're a world away in Uganda, standing by that car with a sticker, a magnet from Poplar Springs. I love my church. I love that ministry, Helping Hands Foreign Missions. Now, Moyo, Moyo Missions stand over here. Moyo Missions, the village of Eden. We pray for people over there a lot because we hear the stories from Stan and from Jessica. Two that stand out to me that our church has prayed for is a little <clears throat> baby boy, baby boy who his mom didn't want him, couldn't support him, don't know what. But instead of trying, threw him into a latrine trench. A latrine trench, you know what that is. Full of uh, all kinds of, you know, human waste, chemicals. This little baby was found in there by someone, bleached, skin all bleached out. By what he'd been laying in, near death, hope, really hopeless. We prayed, and the people of the village of Eden began caring for that child, and by God's mercy, nursed him back to health, and he lives there today. He's not a baby anymore. Another one I remember is a little girl, Stan, that was uh, born with a fair, fair-skinned, 
even though she's of dark-skinned uh, lineage, she was born fair-skinned, albino, if you will. Um, and because of that, the people, the people over there known as witch doctors in those villages uh, began, believed that she had mystical power. And they sought her to abuse her body and to sacrifice her to spirits, which are in fact no spirits at all. They wanted to do that. And at the village of Eden, they had her. They were trying to keep her safe. And they had extra security. And everybody who came in to work on something or under the pretense of making a delivery, they had to watch them carefully to make sure they weren't there, uh, sent by one of these witch doctors, by one of these villages, to take her back and do God knows what to her. And she's there now, to my knowledge. She's preserved. She's safe. She's growing. She's strong. She's protected. Can you imagine, now that they can talk and walk, can you imagine if one of that little guy said, I want to go back? And said, so you go back to your family, back to where you came from? No, no, no. Back to the trench. I want to go back to the trench. Can you imagine if that little girl said, hey, I want to go back. He said, well, back where? To, back to your mom and your dad, baby? No, not there. Back, you know, back to the, the city that you were born in? No, not there. I want to go to the abuse. I want to go to be sacrificed to spirits. Listen, there is no room for us to say that to God. But it's easy for us to do if we're not careful. In fact, it will happen on its own. If we don't determine for something else to happen, we'll be drawn back into that world and our senses of humor and our language and our marriages and our families and our work and our ethics and our character and our morals, it'll all be wearing the clothes of death. If we're not careful, if we don't watch it, the Bible says, do not walk again as the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. Don't go back. Please don't go back. And today, if that describes your life, then I want to urge you to take hold of the hand of God. And I promise you on the authority of God's word and walking with, his, in his, uh, with, with him for so many years that his hand will lift you up out of that if that's what you desire and if that's what you ask. Live out the Christ you love. Live it out and let there be no turning back. Let me pray for us. Just a moment, I'd like to offer you a an opportunity to respond to what you've heard today, sang today, what the Spirit of God has spoken to you today. It'd probably be a difficult day for you to publicly respond because of the heaviness of what we've learned and the weight of the challenge that Scripture has placed on us today. But if God has spoken to you don't play those games. What will people think? Will I be embarrassed? Don't play those games. Don't be calloused. If you need to be cut this morning, plead with the Spirit of God to cut me. 
Oh God, cut me. In the places that I've grown deadened to it. Oh God, find a way again to cut me. Don't let me be calloused for the duration. Don't let me go into eternity with a hardened heart, Lord. Oh, split me open again, God. Bleed me, pierce me, Lord, that I might come back to you. Don't play games with God this morning. If you've turned back to the world, to the lostness, to the death, oh, turn again to Christ. The song says, there is mercy and pardon. Pardon for you and for me. That's true in this, this day. You come back to the Lord. There is power in walking with Jesus. If it's power that you've long forsaken and distantly forgotten, oh, plead with God to bring it back. Restore your steps and send you onward with a new sense of life and of love and vitality for the things that matter to him. That's what he wants for you. Heavenly Father, thank you for the word of God today and for trusting it to us. You are kind to us beyond measure. We, we don't even know why. We, we can't imagine it. But your kindness to us leads us to repentance. And if again today you have spoken one more time in mercy to call a son or a daughter back home, let us answer, God. Let us answer. We pray you would have your way. Do what only you can do. And we're thankful for the strong name of Jesus. It is in his name only that we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing. And as we do, I would invite you to respond.